Welcome to the Fly Crate Podcast, brought to you by the Fly Crate, the easiest way to discover new trout flies. To learn more about their monthly fly club and online shop, visit www.theflycrate.com. Welcome to the podcast, and today I'd like to chat a little bit about uh, what I like to do when I approach a trout stream. Um, I'm going to particularly speak more so on weightable streams today, not so much streams that you would drift, but um, I think it's important to note that, you know, everyone has their own way of approaching a stream, but this is the way I dissect a stream in order to find my most opportune chances to find trout. Okay, so I've loaded all my gear into my car, and I've just pulled up to my favorite stream, and so what's next? Well, this is what I like to do. Typically, what I'll do is I will take my gear and I'll load my gear. And before I even hit the water, I'm going to note the sunshine, whether it's cloudy, overcast. And I also want to note, for example, in my head, you know, I checked the weather. Are we pre-front? Are we post-front? Are we typically warmer than usual? Was it cold? Did it just warm up? Or was it warm and did it just chill off? Okay, and that's what I like to do before I even get to the stream. So when I'm sitting in my car, I take out my notebook that I always take notes, you know, on when I catch fish and things. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to check to see what worked last time in these same conditions before I even get to the stream. So I know kind of already, worst case scenario, if I don't find any hatches or anything, that this is a good way to start is to use flies that worked in similar situations and water temperatures, you know, sky clarity and things like that. So now I'm at the stream. Well, not quite. I want to make sure that as I approach the stream, I want to be very subtle. Okay, now I know we're very anxious to fish streams, but small streams specifically, you're going to have to make sure that you really approach them delicately and technically because of how shallow the water typically is. Now, the deeper the water, the better vision and wider vision the trout has. However, don't forget that the, because the stream is shallow sometimes or because it's narrow, um, the fish have a better ability to see you. And if you think about where trout predators are, it comes from the sky. Uh, unless they're in a pike stream or something like that or bass, but typically they come from the air or above them. So you want to stay low. Now, before I even get to the water, I want to sit stock and, and wait to see if anything is hatching. You know, can you see visible insects or do you notice trout rising? So the key to this is do what the stream tells you. So if you notice that you're seeing certain flies on the water or above the water or fish are reacting and, and striking um, in certain ways, then react to that. I like to use the 3S system. So for example, uh, you check out the size, shape, and shade or color of the the flies that you're noticing. So if the posts, if the wings are posts up, then they're mayflies. If they're a size 14, then try around a size 14. If they're big or small, you can just judge based on that. And if you notice they're kind of tannish, then use a tan. If they're blackish, use a black. If they're yellow, use a yellow. Green, use a green. You you know it. That that makes sense, right? So. And after we've kind of matched, quote-unquote, our hatch, all right, on a small stream, you want to try and stay low and get towards the bank or downstream uh, as best you can. Now, uh, I like to use a stimulator on my local stream because I have some really nice brookies and browns that will just smash a stimulator. And so what I need to do is I need to get downstream within castable distance, uh, and I'll make a cast up. And you let the, the, the fly pass each fish uh, and hopefully, you know, induce a strike. 
that's for dry flies. But if you want a nymph, then I always suggest dry fly nymphing, especially on small streams because, I'm sorry, I always suggest tight line nymphing on small streams because typically they're not that deep to require an indicator. And so, um, and also you're allowed to really fish the different depths that it really contours to easily, much more easily than with an indicator. For small streams, I really don't think you need a very long leader. You know, unless you're tight line nymphing, then you, you know, obviously have a different setup, but you don't necessarily need it. A short leader, um, because you're going to be over the fish, I'd still recommend, unless you're casting a dry fly and it's really brushy and bushy around you, I'd still recommend a nine, eight and a half, nine foot rod, even sometimes a check nymph rod, you know, ten, ten and a half foot, because it allows you to stay away from the fish as far as you need to be while still being able to being able to effectively nymph that spot. And so, you know, getting in there and dissecting the water bit by bit uh, using a tight line nymphing style or check nymphs is actually a very effective way to cover the water. Typically, what I like to do too is, is you know, instead of working yourself you know, downstream, I like to work upstream. Um, and that's so, you know, I can easily get behind the fish and not have to worry about, you know, because typically there's not a ton of water and a ton of bank space to kind of conceal yourself as you work around a fish. So I would definitely recommend getting, you know, starting from below the fish and working yourself, you know, from tail to head, um, being mindful of eddies and things where you will have to worry about the fish being able to see you. Um, Now, what should we look for when we're talking about dissecting these streams? Typical stuff. I mean, when you're looking at small streams, undercut banks are a huge, uh, you know, red flag or, or a huge target zone for bigger fish. And so, and fish in general. And so, you know, target those uh, curves and bends where there's undercut banks. Um, in addition to, you know, typically the streams are, are, are very shallow. So make sure that if you notice a darker pool, it, the pool doesn't have to be any wider than the actual um, stream itself. But if you notice a rock drop off, or if you've gone during a low, you know, a dry season, and you notice that there's a pretty deep cut, or, uh, you know, as the a shoaly drop, then definitely uh, bounce a nymph off of that because that will hold tons of fish. They might not be the biggest fish. You might find a couple big fish in that hole, but definitely fish that spot. You know, and, and who's to say you can't fish it with a streamer or dead drift a streamer or or a uh, tight line nymph a streamer, dry drop a streamer. Um, that's another really good effective ways to dry drop, you know, because you never know if they're going to want to take the, if it's shallow enough, they'll take both sometimes. But back to where to find trout. You really also want to think about dissecting different seams. Now, on a stream that's a small stream that's fairly deep as well, you know, a foot, two foot, there still will be seams where currents will connect and one is stronger than the other. Trout will sit on the slow section, uh, slow side of a seam where that where there's food coming through the faster section, and they'll just dip in and eat. So throw your nymphs uh, or your dries uh, in the foam. Uh, of the the seam and be you know be surprised because you or don't be surprised rather that you know a trout will be sitting in that slow section slip over and uh, take your your fly so seams are also an extremely important uh, as well as foam lines because uh, that's where the food buffets coming through and they're just sitting there easily picking it out so undercut banks steep drop-offs or ledges uh, structure you know logs trees um, you know, it could be roots, 
big rock, you know, boulders that cut, um, sometimes even man-made structures like bridge, uh, pylons and things, you know, fish structure, uh, structure in streams provides protection and protection is what trout need against those avian predators that I was talking about earlier. So, you know, undercut banks, steep ledges and drop-offs, um, structure, you know, make sure that you're, you're attempting to find, I mean, and you can't find them in the riffles, especially when the water gets warm and they need the oxygen because, you know, anything over 70 degrees, I would even argue 68 degrees, it's really, really dangerous for the fish to be caught. Very low oxygen in the, in the, in the water and their survival rate is very low. So, if it is above that and you've you've taken the water temperature to make sure that you know kind of where the fish are at with the um in your notes then i would definitely back off or try and find some bass somewhere you know uh throwing some big poppers and things for bass is really fun during the summertime um but when it gets hot you know throwing streamers on the sink tips just as fun too because um, that is a very nice tug that you can get from a bass or panfish whatever light line pan fishing two weight one weight three weight pan fishing so we've talked about, you know, where to find fish, how to briefly cover how to find, uh, you know, what to throw. There are some general patterns, though, that I like to use. Typically, um, I like uh, some zebra midge coronamid patterns. You know, it can be zebra midge black and white. It can be uh, red and white, red and silver, pink and silver. It can be, oh, Rainbow Warrior has been killing it for me this year. Um, the, uh, you know blasphemous mop fly works very well and um any emerger that would imitate that as well uh stone flies typically uh in stone you know free flow and free uh, free stone creeks um but i i mean i find that i can catch fish on midges all you know in most streams obviously because they're a large food source bait fish imitations work um for large fish uh, in, in a you know because obviously once they hit a certain length, they become piscivorous, meaning fish eating. So uh, that's kind of their main their main forage source. Um, small uh, egg sucking leeches work, um, but also, I mean, your standard hares ear will basically cover the majority of what you're looking to, to, to fish. Here's your nymph, prince nymph, um, and variations of it. And then for dries, I mean, they're going to be super opportunistic in a. a a creek, a small creek. So grasshoppers, beetles, ants, terrestrials work wonders, stimulators. But my favorite is an elk hair caddis. These might not work on your streams particularly. However, I do believe that, um, a good, you know, having a, a couple uh, elk hair caddis, a couple stimulator, maybe a couple Adams patterns, absolutely, you know, parachute Adams, um, a hare's ear nymph, prince nymph, um, a stonefly, a couple midges, um, and maybe a, a woolly bugger or an egg sucking leech. That'll cover your basis. I mean, you don't when you're fishing these small streams, unless you're backpacking for, for a long ways. You have the space. I like to travel light with my stuff, you know. And for my gear, I usually overline a three or a four weight, um, or sometimes even a two weight. Uh, and if I'm dry fly specifically, if I'm fishing dry flies specifically, I will go with either bamboo or fiberglass, um, or I'll, and I'll make sure to go pretty light, like a two or three weight. But if I'm nymphing, then I'll do a three weight, either nine foot or sometimes even a check rod, a ten foot, ten and a half foot. Um, you can get away with a shorter rod, but if you are nymphing specifically, um, a nine foot, 
I'm sorry, a, a 10 foot rod really makes it easy um, on your shoulder all day. And also, I make sure to bring a couple different leaders and my tippet, you don't really need to go that light on tippet in these small streams. They're not too tippet shy. So, and also that also saves fish because you can play them a little, uh, little more aggressively. So, when I, if I know that I'm going to be blending, you know, nymphing and dry fly, I'll typically either bring an eight and a half or a nine foot, three or four weight. Um, that's so that I can, I can get still, and I'll overline it still. I'll, I'll typically, on a small stream, I will over, overline by one, one and a half, or even two lines sometimes because of how short your cast and power stroke need to be. Um, and also it lets you shoot line fairly easily with roll casts or, or anything like that too. So that's typical typical gear, and then one box max, maybe even sometimes just throw it in a, in an Altoids tin, you know, no endorsement there, haha, but I know that if you go to the fly crate, uh, there's some really good packs for you, um, they're really good about, if you, if you want to tell, uh, the, the really nice guys over there that you're a small stream guy, and you just want a good pack, I'm sure that they'll be working with you, they'll, they're, they're really good guys, and um, if you have any other you know, questions or recommendations, by all means, you know, send an email, and uh, we'll try and get the best information we can to you. Now, uh, I hope that everything was covered that needed to be covered. You know, keys to this would be uh, stay low, stay slow, and go minimalistic with your gear. Um, I definitely would rather take an extra five minutes to observe a fish or to observe the stream rather than jump right in and spook fish. You don't want to just hit the water, you know? And, I mean, enjoy yourself. The whole I know we're excited to catch fish, or you're anxious, you want to break a, a slump, or, or you don't want to get skunked, but I'm telling you that that five minutes prepping before you get to the water, as you're sitting there watching the water, watching the fish, can make the, a huge difference, whether you catch fish in that spot or you don't. So, hopefully that was informative. If you did... Make, make sure you rate the podcast nice and high. I appreciate that. Uh, make sure you check out the other podcasts, you know, by the Fly Crate. Uh, check out, uh, there's some really cool groups, so make sure you're checking your emails for that. And until next time, guys, catch you guys on the flip side, tight lines, and we're out. Mm-hmm.